something we didn't mention about about uh, the Microsoft time is the level of empowerment this company gave us versus control. It, it's 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 amazing when I think about it. I'm like you know, wow, what a company! You are listening to the Thriving Empire Podcast Season Four, all about how to be a brilliant remote worker. Whether you're a seasoned remote worker, you found yourself reluctantly working from home, or you simply want to move from a co-located office role to one that is 100% remote, you're going to love this season. We talk to the founders and leaders of remote teams who share with us their insights on the qualities, characteristics, skills, knowledge, and experience that enable you to be a brilliant remote worker. So if you want to know how to be the best at what you do in the remote work reality, you're going to love this season. I'm your host, Stephanie Holland, remote marketing strategist, traveler, coconut macaroon addict, and remote work style obsessed. Let's get started. Hello, hello. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are. I'm so grateful for the sunshine today. Honestly, whether it's warm or cold or windy, I don't mind as long as there's sunshine because everything always seems a thousand percent better, doesn't it? Today's episode (laughs) is super cool because our guest, JP, works really fluidly with his clients in a way that completely transcends either a co-located or remote culture. It's absolutely hybrid because the way he works really adapts to the client, what's enjoyable for him, what's efficient for everybody. Basically, what makes most sense to create the agreed outcomes and outputs, or as he puts it, probably much better, the deliverables. Now, we met at my first ever remote first role back in 2005 at MSN Microsoft. We were both in advertising sales. I was the pan-European strategist based in London, and he was business development in Paris when our paths crossed. And we've kept in touch through all our various creative projects, our remote work experiences, lifestyle changes, and our commitment to wellness and well-being. And Honestly, when we got together and had a chat, neither of us knew what would come from this conversation, but I think it's really obvious that we were both hugely influenced by the remote first culture at MSN. It really completely shaped both of our beliefs and philosophy about remote work and how good it can be. And I think it's really interesting that we both feel that diversity is actually one of the greatest and most enjoyable benefits of a remote first and flexible working culture. And we also talked about how trust and clarity of mission or clarity of purpose, I think we called it, and flexible working combine with diversity to create unstoppable teams. And I think it really shows that when companies get this sort of remote first flexible working thing right then work becomes so much more than your career and really it becomes part of your positive life experience. So I think I can conclude that we both really believe that the future is fluid. JP is the founder of Holisteam, uh, which is a positive change management company where he works with both French and international clients remotely, in person, and from his forest view in France to expand positivity from within organizations through its people culture all the way to its externally perceived brand essence. So I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, JP. Welcome to the show. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks for having me in. (laughs) How's your day going? 
Um, very good. I'm actually calling from my home office. It's very sunny. I'm in the middle of the forest. And uh, I can see basically the trees from my office, which is the kind of stuff I'm expecting to have every day. So very good. Thanks. That reminds me of one of my favorite Magritte paintings. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, remote has become an overnight phenomenon, right? But my first remote first role was back in 2004. So I know that remote working and remote companies are nothing new, but they've been functioning for a really, really long time. And at MSM Microsoft, that's where I met you. You were in the Paris office. I was in the London office. And actually, yeah. now when I think of a remote maverick, I actually do think of you because you have been, and I've never told you this directly, but you've been a real role model for me because you've always been instigating new projects and initiatives from concept to fruition. You've been experimenting. You've been open to exploring uh, what creativity means in a digital world and how to use technology in a different way. And I often kind of wonder, I mean, you were very entrepreneurial already at MSN Microsoft. And I think... Um, I think we both really felt that Microsoft gave us a lot of room to kind of play and explore and mm -hmm. take our skill set and, you know, follow our passions and interests in a very, um, a very encouraging way. But I'm, I'm kind of wondering, was this your kind of first experience of being at a remote first company or did it begin before that? It was actually my first remote experience, I have to say. I was basically in the Paris office, but I had a a kind of uh, maverick team, um, someone from Australia, another one from UK, another one from South Africa. Um, and actually, we didn't think actually we were going to work remotely. We were basically working with what we had in our hands and where we have been located. And the reality was that we discovered and learned how to more remotely at this time because of the distance. Uh, it was as simple as that. Um, so, yeah, it was the first remote experience um, as part of MSN. And I, if I remember well, I think it lasted kind of five years in this model. And what did it lead to? I know that there, I mean, you've done so much in between then and now, and we've kept in touch the whole time. And I've, I've seen you create new projects and I've, you know, we've talked about your, your different projects that you've worked on, um, as a kind of, you know, remote leader, really. So you, you're almost a hybrid remote worker, remote leadership. How, do, how have you managed to, um, craft that or really kind of, um, construct that kind of role for yourself, working remotely in a leadership role with organizations? Uh, um, it's not actually a process. Um, what I felt was that um, being in a position where I can have some freedom to move, um, I can manage my agenda, I can work as a team, with a team um, which is not necessarily in front of me, but where I could collaborate with the, I thought the best people in a specific discipline or for a specific moment in a project. Um, this is how it happened actually. Um, so it's really, uh, for me, a question of mindset than the management process or um, the model. It's a, remote for me is kind of a tool to get connected, to get be fluid, 
and to make sure we don't do busyness, but we are actually focusing collaboratively on doing some business. Uh, that's how it happened, like, I think. And how are you able to, because as I, as I kind of mentioned in the intro, it's almost like remote has been a kind of secret. <laughs> Up, in, up until now, there are a few companies who've been sort of pioneering it um, sort of in secret because, as you say, it's not – well, I think one of the ways you describe it is it's, a, it's an operating model. So it's, it's a way a company works. It's like you described a few moments ago. It's a working reality. So it's not necessarily something that organizations sell themselves on, but it's just the mm. way that they operate. So can you explain a bit more about your ideas about – remote being an operating model rather than just a sort of people management control model? Um, for me, it's, it's, as you said, it's, it's a mean. This is not the objectives of the finality. I don't, you know, you don't, never woke up and I think and nobody in any company wake up and say, okay, I, I want to create a remote model unless you are creating a tool or a mean that can benefit to others. So, um, I think that if emotionally where I found I was um, so happy in my job and so being, I think, productive or, or sometimes successful, uh, maybe uh, was in a moment where I was focusing on working on something with, with others and, and with the biggest diversity of people, um, with this freedom of working with anyone you think it's appropriate for a given project or, 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 or building a team for a client. So um, to me, it's not really a model. It's, it's really a mindset is how you create condition to be creative, to be very interacting, um, to um, avoid any constraints that maybe will slow your project or or get your creativity down. Um, yeah, it's how it's, it's a question of freedom, basically. What you mentioned is, you know, the diversity of people and how when you work remotely, when you've got that remote mindset, you're not constricted by geography or location. And that the person that you want to work with, if, if they are in a different time zone um, or, you know, working in a different culture or even just doing something completely different, you can still collaborate with them in a very kind of meaningful way that brings a lot more, not just diversity of people, but diversity of thinking and experience and knowledge mm. into the equation. And I remember when we used to have our um, stress strategy meetups at MSN, mm. we were literally the United Nations around the table, <laughs> weren't we? It was so much fun and everybody just came together and because we were all very excited about the technology at the time. And this is back in uh, 2005 to 2006 is when I worked there. And I know you worked there for a much longer period than me and went through mm -hmm. a lot of different roles and, you know, took on this real kind of like uh, entrepreneurial adventure there. But um, for me, it was just a really, uh, a really powerful lesson in that kind of diversity is very synergistic and it creates so much more than the sum of your parts when people who have different sort of ages and backgrounds and experiences and education, uh, different gender and different abilities all kind of come together with that shared common goal. And that was back when Microsoft and Yahoo, another company I worked with, were real pioneers in the technology space and certainly 
I think you and I were involved uh, when we worked together in the kind of display advertising space and sort of like creative advertising solutions. And it was still primarily banners and buttons back then, wasn't it? <laughs> and we were kind of moving into new areas and it's progressed so much more into all these like crazy niches that just blow my mind today. But yeah, I really, I really love that you've already kind of touched on a few really interesting ideas that it, for us, it was simply a working reality. We didn't question it. It was, it was in a way normal and it was fabulous and it really spoiled us, didn't it? For the future, <laughs> because mm -hmm. once you, once you've worked with that kind of diversity and, and geographic freedom, it's really hard to go back to a co-located role. I think what you're mentioning and what have been very energizing for us, um, at the Microsoft or Amazon time, uh, it's because we were all crystal clear on the purpose, what we wanted to do, how to do it. It was a blank page, you know, it was starting from scratch. So we could explore a lot. We had the ability, we've been authorized or um, even tasked to explore uh, outside. Um, now, really, I think the purpose is that we are forced to be um, in a remote way of working. It gives a, f a lot of freedom, but it needs to be very precise and meeting someone in an office, nothing can replace this. The question is how do you balance that given the current circumstances? So it depends from time to time, really. You're absolutely right. And I think that's why everyone's saying, you know, the future is remote, but actually the future will quite rightly be a hybrid, won't it? Yeah, it will be a hybrid, but for sure it will give um, something flat in the way of working. If you think back uh, of what we have been experiencing, we, we didn't actually have uh, something to do where how many people you manage to be part of this team, um, how much money do you make in a month to be part of this team, where are you in the organization? It's, it, it was very flat in terms of way of working. It's like everybody knows yes, there is a partition. We know what we want to do, how you do it, from where you do it, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, really. So tell us a little bit about um, how you were inspired by Moby the musician. It was 15 years ago. I was uh, looking at the documentary of this guy because I was pretty fan of his music and what he was bringing to the table. And... I realized that the guy was basically working and building from New York, everything from his home. And he was talking about the pro how he works. So he, he came up with an idea and said, okay, this is what I want to do. Started to share this with, uh, I think it's a 10 or 15 people around him just to get it shaped, write the partition, and then select a team with the best drummers, the best sound maker, the best sound designer, Etc. Uh, Etc. Et and 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 builds on the flight. So, literally, is 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 music is traveling the planet and come back to to come back to him. And after that, they make it the final title and and bring it to the world. But the way he has been working, I mean, I think it was 15 years ago, was already fully remote working. Very 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 little actually in studio. So when I found this and I looked at this, I was like, that's the life I want to live. I want to work like that. I want to work like that. 
I want to, 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 to meet a lot of people I can work with and I have no constraint of connecting or walking or getting something delivered because of the distance. So I've been lucky enough to be in a situation where I could do it. I think you're right. This one of the benefits is that companies really are free to choose from the best of the best around the world. And when these people who are the best at what they do come in and create uh, a team and they have free reign, and then you combine that with the clarity of purpose of the vision and the mission and also the values of a company, there's almost no stopping them. And I think people... Uh, many companies as well confuse remote working with um, with a people management model, as you said, rather than the uh, operating mo model, which is, you know, the free reign plus the clarity of purpose plus the best people. And I see it in the way that companies structure their salary models, where they pay people less depending on their location. Um, mm -hmm. And I see it in ways they try to control the way people work. So, for example, they'll say, oh, we're remote, but you have to come into the office twice a week. Or we're remote, but you have to work nine to five and come to a, a daily meeting at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which which kind of detracts away from the, the fully remote first um, uh, premise. So I see that what you're saying is, you know, we are being forced at the moment to, to work in a more, uh, it's actually a more constricted way than, than what remote working would usually be like. Yeah, I think we are finding out that in a remote work environment, um, the individual connection with the people is becoming more and more critical because you can't control the people. So you have to listen to them, you have to inspire them, you have to be, uh, very precise on what you expect, what which role they will do, what will be the impact, and at the end of the day, what collectively you will be building. And it's far more inspiring than delegation of something or of a task uh, in an office where most of the time, because we are just face-to-face, -face, we assume that people will understand what we are saying and what we want. In a remote environment, it has to be more precise. Some people would like to be on video. Some other people don't want to be on video. Some people will have to get a message or a mail. Some others, some others will have to, to, to have a, a connection or interaction, starting with how you're doing, how do you feel today, um, what your agenda looks like for today, given the stuff we want to do, stuff like that. So I think there, this is, there is a huge opportunity to get more attention to the individual's um, and be more precise on what we expect to uh, be done or to provide to a project. And I think that also comes down to company culture as well and what kind of rituals they kind of set up to begin and, and end calls. And I remember that we, we used to use audio, audio conference calls, old school conferencing with those kind of like Star Trek uh, star-shaped phones on the table. <laughs> And we just got straight into it. You know, there was a bit of banter, chit chat while everybody was jumping on the call. But then we got kind of straight into work. And I, I see so many articles about how to do fun things, you know, water cooler chat. And I just think, wow, we didn't really have that. We just kind of got straight into work. And now there seems to be more of an emphasis 
on building communication and connection through photo of the day or what are you drinking and having different Slack channels, like having a Slack channel for people who have dogs in the company and <laughs> all sorts of things. And I, 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 I'm finding this sort of culturally very different to what I'm used to from my original remote roles, you know, before Slack existed and before video calling was the norm. And for me, especially, you mentioned listening in a different context, but just to jump on the back of that, I found audio calls much more engaging and uh, I found it much more easy to, 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 to be part of a meeting and to really focus in a meeting when it was audio calls. And now everybody seems to be obsessed with video calling. And I feel like video calling is a distraction, mostly because if you don't look at the webcam, it looks like somebody isn't even looking at you. So you just get a bunch of faces on the screen kind of looking off to the left or to the right. And, and, and for me, that kind of takes away from the intimacy. Whereas just like listening to a podcast and you've got earbuds in your ear, listening to an audio call always felt to me a lot more intimate and I was able to be more focused. Um, I think you're touching something very interesting. And, uh, and I think it applies as well to the podcast, for example. The podcasts are very more intimate. Um, you pay attention. You're kind of, um, you feel part of the conversation in a podcast where when you watch something or discussion on a video, you feel uh, outside of the screen. Um, so the sound is in, very interesting. And what I found out working remotely with some of the clients is we would start with the video on just to say hi, how are you doing, see, just to, you know, and, and watch each other. And then we will switch to audio when we start to talk business. Because we are more focused, I, I fully agree with you, we are more focused we are, when we are on audio rather than video. Some people would like to see each other because otherwise they don't feel part of the conversation. Some people will be more comfortable with audio because they want to keep focus on, on things and are very sensitive to audio. We're not all the same. So I have a lot of empathy for the managers or people leading teams today because there is a lot more to be done to understand how it works. If someone is, is not um, happy seeing himself or ourselves on a video, we need to pay attention to that. So some would like to be on the video, some others would like to be in audio only. The beauty is like the tool, um, um, Teams or Zoom, allows to have a conversation and respect everybody in the room. Um, so we are learning how to do it, but I have the feeling that, and, and again, I have a, a lot of empathy for them, and that now it's being remote forces us to be very precise on how to talk to people individually, how to respect their way of working, um, and, and, and be very, very focused on the objectives and what needs to be done. I like what you said about, you know, it depending on the individual. And I think that's where an organization as, as large as uh, Microsoft um, and MSN uh, and being, being remote first, but also 
having offices around the world. So we had this blended experience where if we wanted to work remotely, we could. If we wanted to travel to the Brussels office or the Milan office or the Paris office or the London office, we could. And we could also just stay at our desk in our hometown and work. So we had all these different options. And I think that I almost feel like the hybrid blended companies that are remote first will thrive the most because they can then welcome in lots more different kinds of people, the introverts, the extroverts, Mm -hmm. and give more people more choice and more flexibility about how they work best rather than just choosing the people who want to work in an office or the people who just want to work remotely. There's too much focus on the technology and the apps and the software and the tools. (laughs) And it's all of that is actually distracting from the mindset um, of, of being remote and the diversity dialogue. But really, just before we go, I want to make sure we have time to talk about your work um, in your company, Holosteam. You have French and international clients, and I would love to know how you work and operate with both of those. The beauty of the model is I, I don't have to be somewhere to be working or to be seen somewhere to be considered as working. We are focusing on the deliverable. So technology has nothing to do with it. Is it remote, not remote? Not really the question. It's really about emotional connection and the pleasure to work together and the clarity on what we do together and make sure that we don't burn people's personal time with something that we can do ourselves separately. Uh, That's a kind of key things I'm trying to apply to myself. I think most companies would benefit from shifting that focus towards outcomes and outputs that get them closer to their primary objectives. That that makes complete sense. And then it removes all the stuff that's just getting in their way, like endless management meetings, <laughs> which I, I have been in so many where, you know, that the, that they're so unfocused and unproductive. They've just distracted someone away from their their focused work. And then everybody has just had a sort of an hour break in the day. And then they have to really work hard to get back into what they were doing before to then produce those outcomes and outputs. So I think your way of working is 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 really just productive as well, mostly. And actually, I have to say, I have to admit, most of the time, in average, I work only four hours a day. But I do exactly the same deliverable that when I was working 10 hours before. Because there are so many things I don't do anymore that I realized, I realized that doesn't matter, doesn't change anything. And, and, and actually, what we are finding out is that it's really a question on do we trust the people we work with and do we bring enough clarity so everybody's on the same page so we don't have to control people we just have to control the deliverable um but then the question is maybe um in terms of trust we, we are used to give trust if we think the other deserves the trust but what if we give trust and so people can be trustworthy? <laughs> they can allow themselves 
to accept this truth and, and then be focused, be engaged and stuff like that. So I think here, the big danger that we're living maybe, or the big trap they would not want to fall into is to make confusion between clarity and control. Remotes can bring a lot of clarity. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. You've discovered the holy grail, more trust, more clarity, better output and working less hours. <laughs> <laughs> so mm. J JP, if people want to find out more about you and Holistein, where should they go? No, the best the, the best way to connect is definitely on LinkedIn. Okay. So cool. just say hi, we connect, we change, we can have a conversation and we start from there. Wonderful. JP, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for hosting. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Empire. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me. Now, if you're not subscribed already, head over to stephanieholland.co, that's C-O, and sign up right on the page so that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I have a favor to ask you. Would you rate and review it on iTunes, please? Just search Thriving Empire on iTunes. Click subscribe, then ratings and reviews, and you'll be asked to give it a start rating and a quick sentence or two on what you think about it and what you think about me. Now, this will really help other people find it too, so that more people can build their career and create the life they really want simultaneously. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week and see you next time on Thriving Empire.